0: I'm a fun you guy. You have fun when they finish below five. I'm just Captain Fun, I guess.
1: Or a captain suit. The show from now on.
0: I don't like to have Well, That's called the hook. I don't like that's it. What the hook? How do you talks. get rid of it? Can you get rid of the hook? I'm gonna have a coronary. I'm getting too old for this job. but You guys may have won. Upset. If you look back at where the term came from, it was from a horse race. When the did you turn with with into Cliff Clavin? I like <laughs> this job. I've had it for a long time, Paul. Last one this was the chemistry lab. You're I on just the verge of next year's Super Bowl. I can't Bowl. help what I think. Be honest, Paulie. You're not doing for other people's <laughs> entertainment you are truly enjoying this us. is orange nation with Stephen fonti and paulie sebilia good afternoon everyone glad to have you with us alongside paulie sebilia i'm Stephen fonti as we welcome you into a friday edition of orange nation thad brown sports director wroc joining us at 12 30 we'll talk bills with thad Mike Glennon, former NC State and NFL quarterback, we love having him on the show. He'll come on with us at 115 as we preview Syracuse, Notre Dame, and then our good friend John Ryan, professional sports better, will be out with us at 130, he joins us at 130 every Friday, most Fridays anyway, throughout uh, the football season, he'll come on with us and uh, share with us his best bets. Heading into the weekend, plus we'll take your phone calls throughout at 315-437-7644. If you happen to be watching us on QSportsTalk.com, you see that uh, Paulie and I both have our orange on. Orange out tomorrow inside the dome. Second straight sellout. Correct. Inside the JMA wireless It is dome. an orange out. We've started a day early.
1: So don't judge me if I'm wearing this shirt again tomorrow, Steve. Well, it'll only be two hours, and then I'll sleep in it. <laughs> I'll wear it all night. Well, oh, that, that's not a great idea. If you're watching IQ Sports Talk, you'll see us on uh, uh, in our orange shirts. But if you're driving in your car, keep your eye on the road. Stop looking at that stupid blimp flying around. It's amazing the things that like social media has brought out in people. Steve, like if there's a rainbow, everybody needs to share that they've seen a rainbow. How many pictures of the blimp do I need to see on uh, my Facebook t- wall? I get it. We, we can it. all we all have eyes. We had it on Bridge Street today. Live look. Oh. The blimp. Is Syracuse really that small of a town that the blimp is like... It's headlines on Syracuse.com. It's a freaking blimp. It's old technology.
0: Yeah, it's not, not efficient. Yeah. It's not an efficient way of travel.
1: Yeah, if a stealth bomber flew over my head, I'd be, whoa, look at that crap. Yeah, that's not something you see every day. But a blimp is from, like... The nineteen early nineteen hundred, the Hindenburg is what you think of when you think of blimps. Like radio was the only form of media back then. Oh, the humanity! <laughs> so
0: it's it's what it symbolizes, Paulie. That that's the what does it symbolize? Is
1: it's, a, in the seventies. It symbolized that it was a big game. In two thousand twenty-two, it's a
0: blimp. It still symbolizes. It's a big game. Okay, it does. It's the blimp. It's the Goodyear blimp. That's is that still a thing? It's synonymous with the big stage, a national stage.
1: I, I, it's the equivalent of the weenie mobile from from the hot dog people, Oscar Mayer Mobile, in my opinion.
0: You know, you you I say can't have fun with. Anything. I was just gonna say, you say I'm the one on this show that doesn't have fun. Like that's gonna bother you? That no. bothers you that the blimp is here? No, it's just like it's cool on game day. It's just everybody's
1: acting like. Like, it's the second, like, the Lord is coming down from the sky. It's a blimp. Should we all be that excited there's a
0: blimp over our head? Will you get excited when game day comes, eventually? Yes, yes, that's big. Because that's on TV. It's a modern thing. Like, yeah, that's cool. Some of the allure with that, though, is just what it symbolizes. It symbolizes that, you know, you have arrived or you are back in this case. And that it's the the big game of the week, and you are on a national stage, and the you know the eyes of the country are watching, Yeah, that's kind of what the blimp symbolizes to a much lesser degree. I get that, but it's it's still a cool thing, you know. If I had to mark the thing down
1: on my uh, bingo card of things that made me think Syracuse football is back, how about back-to-back <laughs> bowl games would have been number one. The blimp is <laughs> would have even have made the list. All right,
0: that, that's what I mean, though.
1: Like you, someone brings up a good point. Great day for air machines, or like week for air machines in, uh, yes. in Syracuse. We had Air back Force One. Back to back days, yes. <laughs> Air Force One. Now that's impressive. Air Force One is impressive. The blimp is just... They used those in like World War One. I. <sighs> I don't even know how to respond to that. I don't know. I just... I, I don't get as... I was just a little uh, taken aback by how many people needed to share
0: their blimp pics with me today on Facebook and Instagram. So that you have more of an issue with that than actually people being excited that it's here. That, that bothers you too. There, There is an excitement around this team, this game, this season, Pauly. Enjoy it. This is one of the things that comes with it. Okay.
1: Awesome. So, yeah, I don't know. I just, I find...
0: I find the blimp not to be a big thing. Okay, that's fine. But this, is, you agree, this is a big game tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. You were at the yes, Dino Baker show last, last night. It's a huge
1: game. It's a huge game. The blimp doesn't. The blimp doesn't take it to the next level. That's fair. I.
0: That. That's fine. I. I'm. I'm fine that people are excited about it because it means people are excited about SU football, which is a very good thing. It. It is. There is a. There is a buzz around this city. That uh, hasn't been felt in quite some time. We we had a... You know
1: what else makes me yeah. think it's back is the amount of people that are showing up to the Dino Baber show Okay, is intense. And you know what? I, I don't know how he does this. It, I, I would not be able to do this as a head football coach or basketball coach or any coach. If you're losing and nobody comes up and says hi to you, everybody wants to be his friend right yeah, now. Yeah, of course. I would be like, yo, where were you last year? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Eric Devendorf, this is one of the funniest things I've ever stories i ever heard. Syracuse went to the NIT one year, and then the following year went to the tournament. Sure. And as he's as everybody's getting on the plane for the NCAA tournament, Eric Devendorf got on the PA and said, "I don't remember all you guys coming to the NIT with us <laughs> last year. <laughs> like I don't know how you do that. Like every like, but people are coming out of the woodwork, and it's good to see
0: they are. And and I before you jumped in with. Uh, your little thing about the Dito Baber show last night, like I'm noticing too, just on Bridge Street, our guests come on and you know, we'll, if we're doing a zoom with a guest, we'll talk to them during the commercial break. Everybody's bringing up SU football. We had a a couple in today from Ohio. They've got central New York roots. They own a a distillery now and they're back in town to promote. And the first thing we're talking to during the commercial, you know, SU football, big game tomorrow. Like everybody's talking about it. And I think that it's, you know it truly has been quite some time this feels different i don't know about you Polly. for me this feels different than 2018 because 2018 in some ways at the time it felt like a fluke like is is this really happening how is this happening they went from just mediocrity and you know substandard records and then all of a sudden bang they win 10 games they go to a bowl game it's like oh is is su football back and you know dungie and all the rest and it was it felt like you know, is this just a one hit wonder or is this the way SU football is gonna be? I, I feel like this year feels again, not that twenty eighteen wasn't legitimate, but this this year it feels real. It feels like it Is it,
1: it because that maybe we know some of these players are coming back again?
0: Could be. Could be. Um to me, it feels like, it, it does feel like they're starting to turn the corner. Whereas in 2018, you were just kind of like, where did that come from? Can they sustain it? And then obviously they it, didn't.
1: No, I don't know if I felt that way as it was happening. You were hoping they they clearly thought they were turning the corner because they hired, you know, they extended that coach and did everything else. So I, I think,
0: I think I, I, it's very similar. Yeah. Well, it is. Right. It's similar in that we got to see what happens next. Yeah. Um, it happened so quickly, though. I guess is my point is that it felt like you know that's that's not generally how rebuilds work, right? You don't just you you don't creep up in a win total, and then all of a sudden well, pop it, to ten, and then you stay there. You know yeah. what I mean? So I, to me, this this feels more like all right, the foundation has been laid. You know, and I don't even know if they're going to win ten games this year, but it's certainly an improvement. It certainly seems like it's moving in the right direction. And to me, this feels more legitimate and more that there's there's some lasting power with this season and maybe that's some wishful thinking but I I I do think they're starting to turn the corner we'll get into the Baber
1: sound uh, in next segment but I want to ask you something because it's been on my mind They're six in one right now what is this like is this enough for the fan base like right now what if they have another November like they've had the past three years is that okay It'll be disappointing, yes, but is that okay?
0: Again, anytime you ask me these kinds of questions, I always say the same thing and that is I want to see it first. That's like not it, what I'm asking. I know. But what I mean host. by that is if you said, "All right, they're going to finish 6 and 6." I want to see what that looks like though. Is it a non-competitive but it's 6 and a, 6. It's still a
1: step forward like you've yes. seen what this team is right. capable but of. But is it,
0: it is it a non-competitive 6 and 6 or is it a you know, lost a heartbreaker to Clemson, and then you know Notre Dame's a possession game, and it, it, you know what? What does it look like? I
1: don't think six and six is going to happen. But what is okay right now? Like I don't think six and six is okay right now. I think they've got to get eight wins this year. You know, not that it's going to cost anybody their job, but
0: it's going to be a huge. But what does that mean? That they got to get eight wins? It's, or, it's, or what? It's or, gonna, or what happens? It's going
1: to it's going to bring the fan base back to where they just like I said. Everybody's saying congratulations to Coach Babers now and wants to be his friend. If this team doesn't get to 8 wins,
0: I have a feeling it'll go back to Yeah, that. and I I think that's really important for what I'm talking about, which is the next step, which is capitalizing off of this. And again, why didn't they capitalize off of it in 2018 and can they capitalize off of this in 2022? And I so I think you're right. I think you you know, if that's you got to be pit and BC. That's
1: yeah. how I would look at it.
0: Like, that's another thing rolling into this in Notre Dame. So, so seven and five, you're saying, is, is going to, that's not going to be enough.
1: Well, no, because it, it, it's, it, they raised the bar themselves, and it's a good thing. It's just, you got, like, people are looking past Notre Dame, I think. People are, like, Notre Dame's got some of the best players in the country. They can athlete and out athlete Syracuse, and, and it just may be the week it clicks for them, yeah. or, you know, or, Or maybe it's just a case that they have better players because they're going to have better players at positions. They don't have the stud receivers they normally have, but they're going to have Notre Dame players. And Syracuse isn't at that level yet.
0: Right. Right. They got to ride the momentum and ride this defense that is among the the nation's best statistically and ride that crowd tomorrow and how loud it's going to be. And they need to take advantage of all of those things. Um, That being said, yeah. There are now teams on this schedule that you should beat, right? Yeah, I think BC is certainly one of those. I think think Pitt is probably one of them. It is a road game, though. Florida State. I I don't know if that's a should-win game, but it's certainly a could-win game. I think they're all could-win games the rest of the way. Wake's going to be awfully tough. On the road at Wake, Wake's very talented. Yeah, Yeah. Wake's Wake's one loss was in double overtime to the best team in the conference. So, you know... um, I hear what you're saying about you say well, you know, seven's not going to be enough. I think seven's going to be enough for some people. This buzz that's been created, seven's not going to be enough to keep that buzz going, obviously. Yeah. And if you want to carry this buzz over into the postseason and then into next year, you know, you're talking about eight or nine to to accomplish yes. that. But I do think seven will is going to be encouraging enough for yeah. the decision makers i think 7 yeah, i is, think they're
1: already encouraged Yeah.
0: yeah. well yes yeah and i i think most people you know the people who follow this program day in and day out i think 7 will be okay that was a nice season but you want to get you know the 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 extra 10,000 in the dome you got to win you know eight nine game whatever the case may be um to to keep that buzz going uh into the off season but uh, you know they've already let's be honest they've already accomplished something right they're right. bowl eligible yes um, I don't expect that they're going to lose out. I mean, I I no. would expect that they're going to win a few more games, whatever that is. And it this is going to be this has the potential to be a really nice season. Has the potential to be a really special season. Yeah, if they can does. if they can stack wins on top of each other, the rest of the way.
1: Yeah, I'm like I'm very low bar. Like I'm happy I, they got six wins. Okay, yeah.
0: You but know. you just said you won't be happy. R- Regardless of what happens, no, no,
1: but you know what I'm saying. Like they got it. Like if I'm the if I'm Wild Hack right now, I'm fine.
0: Yeah, you, because if you get injuries, you get you know, you. Well, and that's why I said let's see what let's yeah. see what it looks like because if they do go six and six or seven and five, and it's it's a mass unit, and they've you know they've lost. I mean, they've already lost a handful of starters. They lose a few more starters, then it gets to a point where okay, that that's understandable. If it's six and six, and you know they're not competitive, they're getting blown. I, that's, I don't think that's going to happen, but that would be one thing. Yeah, alright, someone in the chat said, I don't think the team would be happy
1: with the, anything less than 8-4. The team is a different, I'm not talking as the team, I'm talking as fan base and as uh, the people that sign the checks. And, and I think his check has been signed for another year already and uh, I, I think they're going to get 8 or 9 wins this year. I do. Yeah. I just it, it's still in your head, Like
0: it, it's still in your head, right, that they, they've Struggled in November. They have, and there are you know reasons slash excuses. Yeah. We talk about it all the time, um, and the the injuries are starting to to pile up. Um, let let's see because this has been a gauntlet, right? With NC State and Clemson, and now Notre Dame. Like you're going up against teams, you know they're very physical games. Let's see how they look on the other side of this. But to your point about how many more wins, they're slight favorite tomorrow. You would assume that they're going to be a, a slight favorite against Florida State. Uh, Pittsburgh will probably be a toss-up game. I think they'll be a favorite. Maybe. They'd I mean, it's, a, it's a road game, so, you know, but that's, you know, it's going to be probably a field goal either way. Uh, BC, you would assume SU is probably going to be a slight favorite. Um, you know, the one game would be on the road at Wake Forest, but they they could, it's possible they could be a, a favorite in four of the last five games. Slight right. favorite, which right. we were not expecting when the season started. Let's take a timeout. We'll hear from Dino Babers from the Dino Babers show last night. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com.
1: Doing double dip on the show prep today. So exhausted. You're in my heart by Rod Stewart, number four in 1978. This, uh, this Rod Stewart songs are so good. Jordan said that Rod Stewart and Sting sound alike, and I. Completely disagree with him.
0: Explain yourself, Jordan.
2: Uh, I didn't say that. I said that in the song "Rock Sam, it sounds a lot like Rod Stewart. When they, you know, I'm not gonna make the noise. Oh, I but. see what you're saying. Okay,
0: but that's different. Not
1: only are we doing the Artist of the Day, we're doing Goodyear Blimp Day because the blimps flying around. The military used the Goodyear blimp for observation and reconnaissance in uh, World War One and Two. Goodyear uh, Excellent. bought five of its blimps back from the armed forces and painted the Goodyear back onto them after that also. So there you go. Another blimp fact. I'll have blimp facts all day. Tune in. Blimp facts on the 11s.
2: Blimping ain't easy. On organization. Oh, I like
1: good one. That's even better. All right, Jordan, why are you in here? Um, I'm a blimp-leton.
2: This is This is your show, listening right now and watching on Q Sports Talk, and one of y'all was curious if Dino on his show last night addressed sending in some of those Clemson calls to ACC officials and what happens, and you know get involved on Q Sports Talk, and you might just hear the bite you want.
0: Yes, when we send in the uh, when we send in the plays to the referees, they do agree or disagree with what we send in based off of uh, a certain percentage, if the referee or umpires or side judges are wrong too many times they do get graded down for that and if they're consistently not above
2: average then they will be replaced so people are wondering what happens to these guys well that's what happens if they do it too many times i guess they'll replace them or at least that's what they say i also don't know that we notice it in football right you
1: don't you don't know the refs like in basketball, everybody knows them by their name and hates them by their name. In football, it's just a bunch of dudes, and you don't realize that they're gone because you only see them once a week. You know? Yeah, that's fair.
2: The only football refs we know are like Ed Hercules because he's jacked. Ed
0: Hercules is. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right.
2: Um, and I, I'd be
0: interested to know what the the conference decided after looking at those. And you know, you you had told me off air you're not sure Dino can even comment on that. I do know that. I'll talk with John Wildhack on Saturday before the game. I'm going to ask him um, if if he heard back. He was very forthcoming last year following the Florida State game that non call on the hold. Uh, you know he he was forthcoming about his conversations with the ACC following that. So I, I'm curious uh, to know if if they got any verdict. And again, what what does it mean? You know, for if the conference says yeah that you know Schrader that play at Schrader that should have been a call. Uh, you know, what what good is it? You know, I mean, it's I don't want to know. <laughs> no.
1: No, that's just like picking a scab, right? Like you don't want to know. Why why do you want to know? twist the knife again yeah, like a few like, days later? Like you're, you're just starting to get
0: over the loss. We the- know
1: it was a bad call. I don't need somebody to confirm <laughs> it for me. Like but was it? Like maybe it wasn't. Like maybe there's an explanation that maybe I would love to hear that explanation. No, but, you know, that- but yeah, you know what I'm but you know what I'm saying? Maybe they they zapruder film it and they look at it and they say, "Hey, right. this is why it wasn't called and exactly why." And they may have better angles and stuff. You never know. But that's the only reason I want—I would want to know. If I was right, I wouldn't want to know. If you had a good explanation for why it was the right call. I See, I don't know. I disagree.
2: So you're basically saying, don't confirm to me we got screwed. Just yeah, let me imagine. I, yeah, I, I, disagree. But if I But
1: if I'm wrong, please point it
0: out to me and show me. I think it helps though to know, like in the case of Fuentes Cundiff, that you know, Edino talked about that that you know last year against Florida State where they didn't usher Jordan Travis out of bounds, and then he you know picks up an additional thirty yards or whatever it was. You know, he said we want to make sure that that didn't happen again. So if if they're you know, they talk to their players about this is the way to do it, and then if it's a flag, like I think you would like to know that this is what the referees consider a flag and this you know, so that you can teach it differently or coach it differently moving forward. So well,
2: the best uh, part is Fuentes got pushed into him. I know, That's right. the best part. It's right. like even if they were trying to do what Marlo Wax did last year against Florida State and avoid that penalty, I, they weren't given the opportunity. It's
0: so. one of those that in regular speed, like when it happened, it looked worse than when yes. you slow it down and you look, you know, and I I could totally see that, you know, I feel bad for the young man because, you know, he's he's in there trying to make a play, played more snaps in that game than he had played yet. And, you know, he's, he's just trying to do what he's taught and, you know, gets pushed from behind. And I so I do feel bad for him. I, I would find it hard to believe if the ACC looked at that play on Garrett Schrader, who got pushed several yards out of bounds. And said that wasn't a penalty. Here is the thing on those: if you can
1: do it for targeting, why can't you do it on a personal foul for a late hit? Why can't they ring down and say, "Let's take a look at"? This? I've been. Those, I, yeah,
0: you, you guys are tired of me saying this, and I, you know, I bring it up during a Bills game because those are the ones that I that I watch. You know, and we're all texting each other. I think they should be able to review a penalty. Like you, I think you should be able to challenge a play. I'm not saying say,
1: holding. Or anything right. like that? Uh,
0: something egregious. I think you should be able to, or like the tripping play that we talked about. Like, you, you get one challenge on a penalty. Like if you, you win it, you lose it, whatever. But save it in your back pocket for a big play because. What
2: about like has to be a personal foul? Or are you saying like offsides you can do that? No, you I can't do. I, I think you should be. It, I think
0: you, you get a challenge, you can challenge whatever you want. I hate when they say, well, it was the wrong call, but it was not reviewable. Let's just, shouldn't the goal be just to get it right? Like, and I don't think one challenge is going to you know lengthen the game. Everybody's worried about the length of the game. Let's get it right. So something egregious. If you disagree with it, or in the case of the you know Garrett Schrader getting pushed after the play, maybe the ref looked downfield when he threw it and he missed the fact that he got you know thrown to the ground five yards out of bounds. Review it. Oh, oh, okay, he did get hit out of bounds. We'll throw the flag. It's a fifteen-yard penalty. And you know, and maybe the. Um, you know, what you would have to prove, you know, the, the burden of proof maybe it would have to be higher in a situation like that on a penalty. It would have to be obvious, but that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the obvious calls that a referee misses. Why not have just one challenge to to get it right? Because it it it's unfortunate, and this isn't just about this Syracuse game. It's yeah. I mean we see it all the time. There's a, you know the, well, the bad in call in or a bad non call.
2: Schrader thought that the defense was offside, throws his second pick. It's like if they can go and review that, gives Syracuse right, why, the ball back. Stuff but like why
0: not? So if if that's a game changing play and you want to use your the news one challenge needs to
2: start on time, Steve, if you that's want why. the
0: news never starts on time. If you want your one challenge to be that. Then go for it. If it's a big enough play. But to Pauly's point, yeah, I'm not suggesting you're, you know, some random play in the first quarter and whether it, or not it was holding. But if it's a you know, if it's a play like Florida State last year and it's the final drive and that play decided the game and there was a an egregious hold that wasn't called, why can't you review it? And I don't look even it even and say, you know, needs what? To yes, be on it the was the coaches.
1: I just think if that guy if there's somebody watching the game that's ringing down anyways, just do it. You you've publicly embarrassed yourself. I'm gonna correct this for you. That's but it's got to be egregious. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're, they're talking about you on Twitter right now. We
2: need to, <laughs> we need to Once bring... Once the referee pops up in the trending section on Twitter, they say... Yeah, but them. the we problem need... is things like that take longer than <laughs> no, 25 no, no, seconds does, to come about. Yeah, I, you're, you're not on Twitter often it, enough, Steve.
1: Dude, they get those targeting calls <laughs> immediately. You know, like,
0: they, 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 they could do it. All right, I know we're behind on the clock, but I feel strongly about that. No, I, I do think they should be able to review things that are not reviewable right now. Let's just get it right. Uh, We're up against the top of the hour. Back after this on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com.
1: Welcome back to Orange Nation, our artist of the day today. Rod Stewart. Tonight's the night. Hit number one for him. Steve, the Goodyear blimps in town. Did you know that? Big I did game. know that. Yep. Big game, Syracuse Notre Dame. This this fact about blimps is insane. I saw this and it made me say, "What the hell is wrong with people?" If punctured, the worst that would happen to the blimp is it would slowly lose altitude. It also says that's a good thing since the company reports that the blimp is shot at at least twenty times a year. Really?
0: <laughs> what is wrong with people? <laughs> what the hell.
1: It is crazy. But the good year blimps here means there's
0: a big game in Syracuse. There there is a big game. And uh here to, to talk about we've got Mike Glennon, former NC State and NFL quarterback. You can find him on Twitter at Mike underscore Glennon. He's become a good friend of the program. Mike, great to have you on again. How are you today?
3: I'm doing good. How are you guys? Good.
0: We're doing well. We're doing well. So we've got uh, Syracuse Notre Dame tomorrow. We'll get into that here in a moment. But I want to circle back to the the Cuse Clemson game from a week ago. And you know, for three quarters, Syracuse was the better team. But you know, we saw you know Clemson turn into Clemson there in the fourth quarter, and they they're able to get the win. Uh, I guess let's start with what was working for Syracuse and for Garrett Schrader in that first half, because it really was a tale of, of two halves. Syracuse played very well in the first half, offensively in the second half, couldn't get anything going. So what was working for them in that first half?
3: Well, the first half, I think they really kind of benefited from uh, their defense. I thought Syracuse defense was great for forcing those turnovers by DJ, the interceptions, and obviously the fumble return all the way for the touchdown, but... On the offensive side, I thought Gary Schrader came out and played well. He was running the ball. That was really the difference to me was how well he was running the ball. And I know a lot of people were on about how little touches Sean Tucker guy. And, and I do agree that we have a player of Sean uh, Tucker's ability, you got to give him the ball more than five times. But a lot of it was like his own read stuff. So, it's you know, the coaches are calling the plays, but at the same time, if you're going to give an option, the quarterback's got to read it out. So, Kierce Schrader did a great job running the ball, and I really liked the touchdown that he threw to uh, Sean Tucker up the sideline. They had a KJ Henry, who's a defensive end, kind of peeling with Sean Tucker, which is going to be a mismatch all day long. Um, but to me, it was, yeah, it was kind of a tale of, uh, of two halves. The first half, Syracuse looked great, and then in the second half, Clemson's defense line just completely took over. And, Syracuse is going to get anything going.
0: Yeah, couldn't get anything going, and you know punted whatever it was six, seven times in a row. And you know, so what? What changed in the in the second half? Was it you know Clemson woke up? Was it was it something they were doing defensively? Was it uh, you know something Syracuse should have been doing offensively, but they weren't? What, what changed in that second half for the Cuse offense?
3: Yeah, to start with, the Clemson defense turned it up a That They've kind of been notorious this year for having kind of slow first half and the second half to get going. And that defensive line was dominant and, and they have NFL players all across the board and they put a big impact. And I've been one of the biggest fans and supporters of Robert and I, I was not as in favor of the way he called this game. I think he, he was trying to protect the offensive line and, and keep tight ends in protection, keep the running back in protection. But Clemson D-line was still winning. And then when you do that, you only have three guys out on a route. And so there just wasn't a whole lot open. Um, so I wish he would have mixed up the game plan a little bit more um, but you know, what, what could they have done different? I, I just think they got a little, um, conservative and trying to protect and, and not give up the sack with having these extra, um, people in protection. But I think they could have just let guys get out of the backfield and, um, and make have it so there was more guys out on the route concepts versus all the zone coverage that Clemson was playing.
0: You know, Mike, you you alluded to it uh, just a few moments ago in regards to Sean Tucker and only getting five carries. You know, Garrett Schrader carried the ball 21 times, and and you're right, a lot of it was the RPO stuff. Um, So, you know, moving ahead of tomorrow, and, you know, Dino Babers at his press conference Monday said, you know, he addressed the Sean Tucker only touching it five times in the running game, did have five catches as well, but he said, you know, we do need to give him the ball more. So... Easier said than done, especially when a defense is keying against a, one guy in particular. What are some ways, in your opinion, Syracuse can can get the ball in Sean Tucker's hands so that he can, you know, do Sean Tucker things because he is their their biggest offensive weapon.
3: Right, I think that they can start with you. You don't want to exactly take away the zone read because Garrett Schrader is capable of running the ball, and it, it kind of gives you the best of both worlds. at... If the defense plays it one way, then, you know, the quarterback has to keep it, and he's more than a capable runner. But maybe you'd go to more runs that are, are not zone rate, are not RPO, just like the classic, you know, a decade ago when you just hand the ball off to the running back, and, and that's all it is. So you just call it and run it, run play. Um, I thought they do a great job sometimes motioning him out of the backfield into an empty formation, throwing him some screens. Um, but I – uh, you got to find a way. And they know it, you know. You got to find a way to get the ball in his hands more. But at the same time, there are benefits of having Garrett Schrader keep the ball as well. So you, you don't want to go too crazy one way. It just kind of turned out that's the way it played out last week. So sometimes you know people tend to overreact, um, especially when when you lose a close game and, and your best player only has five carries. It, it kind of is an alarming number. But maybe that wasn't you know the complete reality of the situation.
0: We say we saw DJ Uyunglele, uh benched for ineffectiveness, and, and Cade Klubnik come on, and again Klubnik comes back, wins the game. Not necessarily because of what Klubnik did, but they, they did get the, the victory. DJ's back uh, in there, moving forward. He's the starter. But uh, what do you think? Is is there a quarterback controversy down in Death Valley, or is it just a case of you know one thing wasn't working, and you know Dabo d- decided he he wanted to to try and find a spark.
3: I don't think there's a a quarterback controversy, but when Dabo made that decision, the first thing I thought of is he is not making this decision to win this particular game against Syracuse. He's making this decision because if they lose this game, they will not get in the college football playoff. So I think he was thinking big picture. And yes, they do go kind of hand in hand. But my point of it is, is okay, that he made the decision to go with Cade and it paid off. They won the game. But how does it affect DJ going forward? Where's his mindset? Where's the mentality? Can he truly play free and not look over his shoulder? So they may have won the game, but I still don't know if we know it was the right decision yet, because if they don't get to the college football playoff or or get far in it, then I don't know if it's, if it was worth it. So if DJ comes back and isn't playing as well, because he's hesitant and, and not as confident, then, um, I, I don't think it really matters that they won that game. So it, it was a bit surprising to me. I mean, he's had, Dabo's had DJ's back so much this whole off season, all the way through. And DJ was playing really high level football. And it kind of, the first time he slips up, they pull him. So, uh, it worked on Saturday, but I'm curious for the rest of the season if that decision will pay dividends or it'll kind of have an effect on the way DJ plays.
0: I do have one more question about Clemson before we move on. You being a former quarterback, we saw two, well, I was going to say two penalties. We saw one penalty called um, yeah. along the sidelines there, and Elijah Fuentes Cundiff, who, you know, kind of ushered. Kate Klubnick out of bounds on a third and twenty five. It kept the drive alive. Clemson went down, scored a touchdown, it was a key point in the game. And then there was another play shortly after that, uh early fourth, where you know, Garrett Schrader got hit out of bounds, uh, you know, after he threw the football. No flag was called. Uh curious, you being a former quarterback, what 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 were what were your take on those two plays? Did you think they both should have been called? Neither should have been called, the refs got it right, one one was called, one wasn't. What what did you
2: think?
3: So I thought neither should have been called. So starting with the one where Cade ran and the Syracuse knocked them off. To me, if you're going to tiptoe up the sideline and not clearly step out of bounds, how is the defense supposed to to, to let up? Like, you, you're playing at your own risk at that point. And I saw uh, Dino Babers came out and spoke. I think he did. Did he use the word usher? He that did, they have yes. some technique? Yes. Right, yes. and I, I thought that was a great way of putting it because I saw the clip where Jordan Travis cuts back on him and so he had barely gotten a foot out of bounds. Like, was his foot out of bounds? Probably so, but I mean, that's so, like, he was more inbounds than out of bounds to me. And if you're gonna play that style of football, you're gonna get hit. And then on the next one with Garrett Schrader, Clemson, you know, he was engaged with with him before, but there was an extra shove. So to me, I, I think there there should not have been either, but if there was one versus the other, I think the Garrett Schrader one was worse. Uh, and, and there is no doubt that the play against Kate Klubnik was a game-changing play. I mean, the momentum completely shifted from that point on. So, um, I know refs aren't going to be perfect, and it's a tough call in real time, but though that play... Had a huge impact on that game. Yeah,
0: no, no doubt about it. No doubt about. it. Did you have a question, Paulie? No. Um, all right. So as we move ahead now to to yes. Notre Dame, you know, you look at at this uh, this matchup tomorrow, and you know, you look at the Notre Dame offense, and and obviously Drew Pine in there now, and and he started the year as the backup quarterback, and 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 he's the starter due to injury, and you know, he's kind of been a mixed bag the last several weeks, and, and his top target is is you know arguably the best tight end in the country in Michael Mayer. How do things change from a, a defensive approach? Mike, when you're going up against a team that, you know, it's not a, a traditional wide receiver that you need to stop or the, their best player is a running back, it's a tight end. How does that affect the approach of the opposing defense?
3: Yeah, I think you just have to be keyed on to that player. I mean, really, I think most defenses are, are built around um, stopping the run or stopping the pass, and, and if you don't really have a true threat of the pass, then you, you typically try to take away the run and force them the pass. Now, probably within that, they may play certain coverages that um, kind of take away the tight end, or if they feel like they have someone that stacks up really well against them that can play a man-to-man coverage, maybe they just put you know that guy on him. You see that in the NFL all the time. I mean, people in certain divisions draft a safety to, to go against uh, Travis Kelsey, to go against a Darren Waller. Um, so I, I don't know if Syracuse has that guy, but if they feel confident, that maybe – They just play a lot of man coverage and say that guy's going to take him away. But uh, to me, you know, as a tight end, you're going to be clued into him. But I don't know if you um, are going to base the entire scheme around that one particular player. I imagine they're going to try to take away the run as much as they can.
0: Obviously, a big one tomorrow, and and the more that Syracuse wins, the bigger the games become. And I know that you know obviously the team can't look at this Wake Forest game, but there's a potential for the for Wake Forest in a few weeks to be an enormous game. Uh, it could be for second play in the ACC, and uh, you know okay. we we all know that if Clemson goes to the college football playoff, the the next team in line, the highest ranked team, would go to the Orange Bowl from there, and. You know, Wake Forest right now would um, you know that Wake Forest Syracuse game could go a long way toward determining that. So my question for you is: is on Sam Hartman. I know you you watch a lot of uh, ACC football and you got your eyes locked on the quarterbacks. How has he looked since he's come back? And uh, you know what's what's he doing well for that for that Wake Forest offense?
3: He's playing great. He's playing as well as I've ever seen him. And I, I mean, I really just started studying him last year, but he's taken his game to another level with his accuracy, with his deep ball. Um, he's playing as well as anyone in the conference, including Drake May. I feel like Drake May kind of burst onto the scene and is as kind of ACC's new shiny toy, uh, deservingly so. But I think people have just kind of uh, forgotten about the guy that's, that's been in the ACC forever and just have kind of taken him for granted. But Sam Hartman's playing really well. They have really good receivers around him. Um, and if honestly, if Wake Forest is probably a bigger name school, he'd probably be getting a lot more... Um, Buzz about being a, a possible Heisman candidate because his numbers stack up against anyone, and he missed the, you know the opening game with uh, with that medical uh, situation he had. So he, he's playing really well. So um, <laughs> NC State has them next week, and it's going to be a tough one for the Wolfpack. Uh, but that game that, that you're referencing with Syracuse, um, you know, huge for both teams because you probably know better than me, but I don't know the last time that Syracuse or Wake Forest went to a bowl as big as the Orange Bowl.
0: Yeah, I mean, Syracuse certainly has their their eyes on that, and uh, you know, it, it could be a, an enormous game uh, down there. And again, a lot of football to be played. Before then, uh, Syracuse got some business to take care of, but I know some uh, some fans already have their eyes on, on that one. L- last one for you uh, as, as we get you out of here, Mike. You know, you, you watch a lot of ACC football. I think we would all agree Clemson is, is obviously the best team in the conference at the moment until somebody can knock them off. What, what's your what's your top five look like in the ACC? Top five. If you got Clemson first, is it is it Wake, then Syracuse? Uh, I mean, where, where, where are you going after Clemson?
3: Yeah, right now I would go Wake, then Syracuse just because of, uh, you know, what Sam Harmon done, what Dave Clawson has done with that program. I think they kind of deserve to be up there. Um, and then I would put uh, Syracuse next to go down to Death Valley and even come close, you know, a team that was on that, whatever they were, 38-game win streak. Um, and since you could argue – was, you know, I don't want to say that penalty was the difference, but they were very close to beating that team. Um, I would have to put them at number three. Um, and then finally, you get to the other side of the division. And I would say, just with Drake May and this Carolina offense, they would be four. Um, number five, I got to throw in my Wolfpack. I mean, even though uh, it's not looking as promising as it was in the beginning of the year, their defense is probably a, a top two to three defense in the conference. And this true freshman, MJ Morris, uh, really looked apart last night. So well if he can, night, uh, yeah. can um, duplicate what he did and really his first time um, playing, then they could go, you know, uh, win a couple more uh in this final stretch,
0: yeah, that was uh, that was an impressive comeback because they they looked uh, dead in the water last night and, uh, and MJ yeah. Morris engineered that and, and they went at 22-21. I was saying this to Paulie that you know that that win by Syracuse over NC State is looking more and more impressive. They've lost two games, they yeah. lost to Clemson and Syracuse. So uh, the the Wolfpack now six and two. Mike, we love having you on. Great stuff as always. Enjoy the weekend of football and hopefully we'll talk with you again real soon.
3: All right, see you
0: guys. All right, uh, there is Mike Glennon, and again, you can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Glennon. With that, we'll take a timeout. John Ryan joins us next. He'll give us his best bets heading into the weekend. Back after this on ESPN Radio.